Hello, everybody. Welcome to another podcast on Babble. This is Matthew. And this is Kevin. And uh, we're getting ready to uh, do parts one and two of uh, Voyager Season 4, uh, The Killing Game. Uh, they presented this in one night, if memory serves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not as, like, all good things in Encounter Farpoint, a 90-minute episode. They just decided to air both parts back-to-back. Yeah, I guess it was sort of a last-minute half-assed kind of decision to make it sort of like a movie, but really just to broadcast two episodes consecutively. Right, because it, it was either, it was Year of Hell, it was Year, no, it was Year of Hell that was originally going to be the season three, season four cliffhanger that they replaced with Scorpion when they made the decision to add Jerry Ryan. This was just a two-parter on its own, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, uh, this Herojin thing has been happening very fast, hasn't it? It's really Really all in the space of three or four episodes. Yeah, I think Retrospect didn't. Yeah. And beyond that, we've, like, yeah, Message in a Bottle, Hunter, Prey, Retrospect, this. So we've introduced, developed to whatever extent they have, and now this big banner two-parter. And uh, I'll I'll reserve my analysis for the body of the actual episode, but... Well, we've had some criticism of the Herogen as being a little bit thin. I think... However you evaluate the success of it, this episode does flush them out a bit more. So, why don't we get started? Everybody should queue up their media, and we will start when I say press play at the end of a brief countdown. Three, two, one, press play. So it's obviously a uh, shock teaser, I guess. Yeah, I, I recall thinking that's Kate Mulgrew in makeup pretty early on. I, mean, I think I think you're supposed to. You, you I think he- once you hear her talk, talk. Yeah, you hear her talk, the haircut's, you know, the same shape, if not the same texture, like um, she has a very distinctive face. Yeah. So it's it shouldn't take you much longer than this at this point. But right. then especially when they right right now it's obvious. Right. I gotta say, she throws herself into it. She she's uh like, you don't know what the hell is going on, but... Um, it looks like she did a lot of her stunt work. Yeah, and she really... That shot. And she looks surprisingly good in the makeup. I wonder, um, like, how much they learned from, like, Roxanne Dawson on set or something to, like, style and do the appliances, but it looks it looks good. So, a shock ending to the teaser, Janeway getting stabbed in the abdomen... You know, so, like, I guess if you haven't watched the previous episodes, you'd be kind of mystified by who the hell this guy is. Yeah. Uh, but if you have been watching for the past five episodes, yeah. it's like, okay, well, something strange has occurred. The Herogen seem to be in a dominant position. He's using a Starfleet communicator. And uh, Janeway's a Klingon. So, you know, it, it's an action-packed teaser for sure. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, our criticism of the Herogen mine has been that I don't understand how a hunting species, where that's their dominant ethos, could also be, you know, like warp capable and, you know, galaxy striding civilization. Right, like, like you could say they might have discovered that, like, they discovered the communications array, they might have, you know, found all of their, you know, space age technology, but even that seems a bit thin. Well, so, hey, look, I mean, if someone had said in a line of dialogue, you know, we were on our world just hunting each other to death, and some stupid aliens came, and we hunted them to death, and then took their technology, 
it's not maybe the most interesting, but it's at least an explanation, you know? Yeah. For, Which is kind of what they did with the Kazon. I am not, by the way, saying that the Hirogen are anywhere near as lame as the Kazon. Well, the, the Hirogen do seem at least a little scary, and they don't arrest the forward momentum of a story. They just don't necessarily contribute to it the way they should. The last two outings for the Hirogen, um, really all three episodes thus far with the Hirogen, the bulk of this story has come has come from some other part. So, yeah, and I would say the best one was the species eight four seven two prey, uh, because that's already an established villain that we enjoy, right? I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, so now we see in this establishing shot we've got a bunch of Hirogen ships, I guess. You know, so this is a pack of Hirogen. And this fellow here, uh, who's giving orders, appears to be in charge somehow, right? Yeah. All these other Hirogen are, are kowtowing to him. I guess, based on his voice and maybe something with the makeup, he seems a bit older. Yeah. So maybe it's an issue of seniority. I mean, I imagine a hunting species, the older you get, the more respect you earn for yeah. staying alive or whatever. And we're, get, we're getting, you know, a little bit of clue here. You know, something about going to the holodeck is stimulating to the Hirogen. They're looking at violent episodes in the crew's past or something. And this, of course, is a very sort of surprising yeah. shot. And it's Jerry Ryan doing all of her own singing. Yeah, the one thing that bothers me is the holodeck is supposed to create the hair, the skin, you can make them another species. Why wouldn't the holodeck just obscure her board game plans? Yeah, yeah. Like, you think Jerry Ryan would have said, dear God, yes, yeah, save me the, well, let me sleep in with my kid for an extra half hour and not have to come to makeup today. I, but, in the notes I was reading that she was nearing exhaustion by this point in the season. Uh, she had had a string of, you know, like, viral infections or whatever, and also, you know, the makeup and the... Costume and, yeah. You know, so, but you can't tell. I mean, no, she's a pro, she, and she can sing too. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that the production staff, you know, made note of how well she sings and then brought it back in the later Doctor episode. Hmm. So, tell me about Janeway's outfit. Uh, well, she's giving you like Marlena Dietrich, Catherine Hepburn, and I love it. It is, it, it, it just like like her white power suit from Future's End. It's it flatters her like it's 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 obviously anachronistic but it's really like she looks good like she looks it's a little like the you know sparkly is it a little look. shall we say dikey uh, well I think that's the point okay um but like like it, well, I mean like yeah like Marlena Dietrich like I just I mean aside from the sparkly lapels which you know feel a little bit uh, um no it's a great look it's a it's a very it it suits her like as a thematic piece like it just it flatters her shape and her hair and well, her attitude so it seems clear they're going for a bit of a casablanca thing yeah here she's yeah. she's the you know uh, the rick yeah the rick character uh she's running a bar where she at least tries to appear uh neutral to be neutral abstaining from the conflict um i mean i love to as a bartender what's kind of cool about this episode is that some of the character rapport remains even though 
this neural interface, which, hey, take that for however far you want to take it. It wipes their memories or something, but not their skills. Okay, fine. I guess they hunted that technology, too. Um, you know, it, we like changes of pace, right? Yeah. This yeah. is a change of pace. And, and speaking of being suited by the time period, I mean, the sort of 40s glamour girl with the big pin-up hairdo and whatnot. I mean, she looks amazing. I mean, she's a naturally stunning woman and would look good in almost anything, but the 40s pin-up girl look is really working for her. You like, think she's got extensions? Because that's... That's a lot of hair. That's looking good, though. No, I it's mean, good. Uh, yeah. Like, if there's no obvious separation yeah. between real and, and thick. Um, like, it might be a fall. Like, in, it's not like a piece uh, at, uh, at the crown where the hair comes out, but like a piece under her hair to lengthen it. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just going to go on record and say I love Nazis in my Star Trek. Um, every Nazi episode thus far has been pretty good, and every Nazi episode subsequent to this one is going to be pretty good. I mean, it's a perfect villain, right? Uh, you know, it, It's the Ur-villain. It's yeah, just like... The uniforms are interesting. Hugo Boss, by the way. Um, did you know that? I did, I did. <laughs> uh the, the roles modern corporations played in the Third Reich is both is, is as broad as it is disturbing. Um, the bar is called Le Cour de Lyon, the heart of the line. Yeah. I, I'll say this. Uh, for, okay. Oddly enough, the Nazi uniforms do seem to somehow suit the reptilian, herogen yeah. vibe. Here's my problem with, with this specific scenario. They're supposed to be the occupying Nazis testing the metal of the humans taking the role of the resistance. The problem is, you programmed each of the people to be the resistance. I don't understand how that's challenging when you're, like, are you waiting for them to reveal themselves in a way that makes it logical for you to then fight them? That thought occurred to me. You know, I wondered if maybe all of the humans... So, okay, we're going to get in some dialogue in a little bit that a part of the crew is remaining under lock and key in quarters. Yeah. Okay? Apparently the non top build crew and you know the top build crew among a few others are on the holodeck with these neural interfaces i suppose it could be that some of the human characters in the holodeck are also crew members but are not part of the conspiracy and part of the thing is to see yeah. who's who but I, generally speaking i agree with you well because here when i watched this the first time what actually what i thought would have been more interesting and probably two out there for network television is you make our crew the nazis you make the herogen the resistance because then they're the ones actually fighting an implacable foe doing the worst humanity is capable of and really seeing if they could succeed that yeah would... I, I wonder if they talked that through when they were breaking the story. right and then and then like rick berman said like, over my <laughs> dead body will you put cable in a nazi uniform? to be fair i mean kirk and spock and mccoy were in nazi uniforms. that's true uh, granted, they were masquerading. They weren't actually right. like, committing atrocities. Right. Um, it's a really good lipstick shade for her. Like, I hope she stole it. <laughs> Setting that aside, um, I am entertained. Okay. You know, here's where I kind of end up on this. Um, if watching this as just like, like if you had also prepped this episode with, to, for morale purposes, Neelix decided to stage. Casablanca casting the crew, and we had done pretty much the same episode, I probably would have been fine. Like, I mean, inside the four walls of the story, forgetting how we got here, 
it is interesting. Like, w- watching the um, contentious dynamic between um, Janeway and Seven play out in this different venue while they're both glammed out in an inch of their lives is interesting. Um, I'll save I'll, I'll save what I think about the broader plot more for the second part of this, because I think that's where the interaction with the Herogen really takes um, center stage. But right now, what we're watching is just Star Trek goes to the movies. And it's not bad. Like, I mean... Well, I think the, the actors are nailing it. You know, <coughs> they're doing interesting versions of, you know, sort of World War II movie and ar- themselves. archetypes. Yeah. While still being themselves in character, yeah. And uh, I'm digging the, the Nazi uniforms. I think throwing Nazis into most stories just adds a bit of verve, energy, you know? Because everybody hates Nazis, and it's 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 an already established right, you don't villainous need to, you, presence. You, you don't need to do any work. Um, yeah, this is a, this is a mirror of a conversation we had about the last time they fought the heroes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, their dynamic. So it was in um, oh, Prey, where they have a falling out based on Seven of Nines. Uh, willingness to just beam the species 8472 creature onto the road and ship to be killed to save Voyager. Here she is, uh, you know, advocating strong yeah. action against the Nazis instead of waiting for the Allies. Um, I do like how they've broken this story, too, that we have some of the characters here. Yeah. And we don't see Tom and we don't see Chakotay. Yeah. And, you know, it's it makes it fun Spoiler alert! Later, when they come in as the yeah. allies, um, and I, I mean, like, you've got here, the Tuvok Janeway, right? Right. It's it's cut. interesting. Like I like I almost would have liked some dialogue to explain was that by design or did some piece of their like is the same thing that lets them continue to know how to speak English or whatever carry over such that they would by default fall into these patterns because they exist in some other place in the brain than straight-up memories that yeah. are being suppressed. There, there are clearly some universal translator questions <laughs> with yeah. this story. Yeah, what is Tuvok speaking? Um, like, and of course, Neelix is like the, like, bubbly village wine deliverer. Like, just of course, like, he's himself, essentially. I like this set. This is no, it's a, a really gorgeous nice, set. Is this there's a, a mountain in the back. I was going to say, is this a backlot? I doubt they went to France. This is clearly a Europe backlot. They're clearly in California. Um... But they filmed it really nicely. They've got a lot of nice action in the background. People in period costume. Uh, maybe almost kind of too American period, but whatever. Um, you've got the baguettes. You've got the wine. It's uh, It works. Right, like here. He's looking for proof that Neelix is in the Resistance. By design, Neelix has been placed in the Resistance. So the looking seems weird. You know what might explain it? Yeah. Is that the Commandant knows, but the rest of the Herodian don't know. Well, he knows he's looking at a Talaxian, so odds are <laughs> he's been placed here to be in the Resistance. Yes. These guys look to be the same rank. We've got uh, our... Yeah, I like the little historical touches, the yeah. you know, uh, Radio Free Europe and all that. She looks wonderful. No, yeah, that, like, again, they, the, the the color choices, the striping, the little hairdo, it's all... The hairdo is just gangbusters. And this is great. I like this look on Janeway better than the white Well, top. look, it's more 
like a normal person might wear. Um, this is very flattering. Yeah, Tuvok suit looks great. They found as decent a way as you're going to to incorporate the, uh, Roxanne Dawson's pregnancy with yeah. you know in the story. So yeah, I wonder if that gun is period accurate. I'm not as much. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but it strikes me as a more modern sidearm. It's the second time this week. Like, how long have they been there? Is yeah. that memory programmed? or? Well, you know, to some extent, these questions are superfluous yeah. to yeah. enjoying and understanding the plot. I mean, we understand what's going on. Yeah. It's not like it's gibberish. Well, that's clever. You know, I, I need to do more research. I wonder if this is actually how they... Uh, got codes through you know because i could imagine it being uh like based on spelling and i don't know like they're saying every fourth letter every fifth you know whatever well that kind of school code stuff is is pretty accurate as far as i remember just i mean she's got to like copy the whole thing down in longhand and count the letters and fifth letter third vowel Yeah, really, they should keep those hairdos for the rest of the series because they really work for both actresses. Yeah. And yeah, two actually wear a suit. Well, he's a tall man with with you know good bone structure, so a suit's not gonna you know make him look bad. Well, he he looks somewhat similar to Leonard Nimoy in a suit, like in a piece of the action. Yeah. Obviously, he has a different face, uh, and Nimoy's a bit more gaunt. Yeah. So here's our sort of pregnancy subplot developing here. I need to see my special friend. Like this is, uh, you know, pretty deep cover stuff to actually, you know, get into a relationship and get pregnant. Well, by, I think the, by the enemy. I wonder if the pregnancy was accidental. Like, oh well, I assume she didn't try to get pregnant, but you know, if you're trying to, she was just trying to honeypot him, and yeah, you're trying to work your way into the organization and yeah. get intelligence. You know, it's a uh, it's a risk. Uh, let let us let us all take a moment to remember the dark ages before modern birth control. Yeah, yeah. No smoking. Smoking and fire are forbidden. I like the little. Uh, if I recall the scene correctly, there's a little touch coming up with these two uh, village women. Yeah, yeah. They spit at the uh, llama. Yeah, the little uh, touch for the collaborators. I wonder if that was just Neelix's bike. <laughs> this guy that they cast as her Nazi squeeze, has he been cast as other Nazis before? <laughs> because he's like... So Aryan, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look at him. Yeah, all he's done is play Nazis. I'm certain. Like, 
I think I actually looked him up before, and he might actually be, you know, European. A Nazi? No, I doubt he's actually a Nazi. <laughs> he might actually be Northern European, however. I'll look it up. You know, so we've got the Commandant here. Yeah, German. I, I wonder what he's after, you know? Is it to understand a computerized version of Earth history? Yeah. Because it, it seems like he ends up moralizing and kind of like putting him in his place or something. Well, like, I get the point is like, it's like the Herogen are consciously choosing to draw parallels between themselves and the Nazis, like... Like, uh, hmm. You know, however we want to interpret his intent, we are getting at least some Herogen ethos here. Yeah. Never underestimate your prey. You know, and they do seem to have a respect for their prey, and they want their prey to be... Uh, Good, you know, Brigitte. Is this pregnancy clothing from the forties? Yeah, I think so. Um, pregnancy, maternity wear uh, was very infantilizing in the mid twentieth century. It was all very like, like it's like tops little girls would wear. So we somehow need to minimize that pregnancy as a result of sex by making adult pregnant women look like children. So Danny Goldring is playing Commandant Carr, and I think he's doing a heck of a job. He's really delivering his lines very well. Um, yeah, I believe this is J. Paul Bamer as the captain. Yeah. Ah, he plays one in uh, the episode Drone later <laughs> on. Vomar in Tacking into the Wind. Mistral in Carbon Creek. He's actually and another Nazi in Enterprise. Um, I think he's quite a good actor, actually. He's got a very distinctive voice and a way of carrying yeah, himself. Yeah, intensity. Yeah. Well, he's born in Dayton, Ohio, so he might be of Northern European descent, yeah. but he's no uh, native. One of our friends commented on a earlier episode's post that the Rojan seems smaller as the uh, show progresses, and I have to agree. Like Tony Todd is a much taller man. I'm surprised they're not hitting him. I do like Seven Hundred Nine as the hard-boiled, you know, yeah. resistance fighter. It, it works for her character, and uh, you know. She's she's yeah I love her like saucy beret and Mary Jane's with ankle socks yeah. like yeah. like like seriously did you just go to the costumes you, I I just imagine them walking into the props and costume department just being French and saying nothing else and just walking out. I I, I kind of like seven in a beret. I'm saying yeah, not every woman can pull <laughs> off a beret. She looks she looks pretty good. <laughs> See, now they nailed him. Yeah, 
And now I, I, I renew my yeah. holodeck questions, you know, with respect to having multiple uh, participants and where things go and uh, how big is this Right, because they're not actually – although they do try to address that a little. They say they're expanding the holodecks, yeah. You know, so we're getting this idea that uh, the doctor is repairing the crew members who are injured so that they can be returned to the hunting simulation. Um, I, I guess this Herogen guy is also a medical expert or something? Yeah, he's like the doctor. Their doctor, yeah. You know, I like the doctor's concern here. Yeah. He's, I mean, it's obvious he's disdainful of the whole enterprise. Yeah. But, you know, he, he's trying his best to preserve their lives as best he can. No holodeck safeties. 28 wounded, one fatality in the past 12 hours. Wow. Although there are only two people in sickbay right now. Yeah. So Neelix is going to be a Klingon, which is kind of reminiscent of Quark as a Klingon, right? Yeah. And here we have uh, Emo Kim. I have to say, it, it did. I kept wondering how he's been given access to primary systems. You figure he could at least do enough to blow up the ship or something, you know, like. He's a senior officer being given direct access to the computer. Would he really want to destroy the ship at this point, though? I mean, it's... I, I've always questioned the idea of self-destruct as a, as a thing. Like, it's... Uh, like, it, the only time it ever made sense was in Star Trek Three, when <laughs> they were off the ship. I could just never envision a situation where a crew would willingly kill itself, you know? Well, it's prevent capture. It's a thing. Fuck it. Use the escape pods and then blow up the ship. <laughs> Who cares if they capture some escape pods? So, here's another guy. They're kind of sweaty. You know, one thing... I don't mind the idea of expanding the holodeck or the hollow emitters, but they don't really continue it after this episode. I suppose they didn't need to because the doctor has his autonomous emitter. But, yeah. Um, so that guy's pretty tall. Yeah. I feel like for the, the lead Herogen actors, they just went with the, the best actors yeah. they could get. And in prior episodes and for extras, they're going with Paul. So they're going to disable the neural interfaces and try to recruit the crew. Those erosions definitely have 
big guns, huh? <laughs> and I, I like the design. I, it it's very video game. Yeah. So they've already redecorated the ready room, which indicates that they've been at this for... I think three weeks, they said? Yeah. And I like the, the reversal, you know, yeah. having the villains in the ready room running the ship. When World War II is over, we're going to re recreate Wolf 359. How's that going to happen? Is that going to be like a starship battle? Yeah. You nearly destroyed two of my favorite crew. You can't disobey me. What are what are you taking about the organization of Corrosion? That there's just someone in charge, like a Jemadar first or any similar autocratic system. Alright, so here is the sort of The message here, you know, young hunters are blinded by their desire. Each prey exposes us to another way of life and makes us reevaluate our own. We considered our future. What will become of us when we've hunted this territory to, to exhaustion? So, one of the things I like about this episode is it's finally giving us a Rojan who's thoughtful. Yeah. Tar is thoughtful. Like, he's doing something that we dis disagree with, but... He is concerned with the larger picture here. You know, he doesn't care about human life, which is understandable. But he's saying we've lost our way. We've allowed our predatory instincts to dominate us. And he says we don't have any culture anymore. You know, that's at least addressing yeah. the questions that I have. Who the hell are these people? What is their culture? How did it become this? So way? Yeah, we never meet any Herodian women. We haven't. I mean, like. I mean, assuming they reproduce sexually, but I'm just saying, like, how, yeah, like, how does a civil, how do these people do some of the basic stuff you have to do to have a people? Well, see, you say rebuild our civilization. So, I, I'm getting from this episode that the Herogen are spread dangerously thin, right? And you know, are in the process of sort of. Becoming a diaspora that just, you know, right. ceases to exist. You know, like their lifestyle is pushing them to the brink of cultural collapse and extinction. And I like that idea, you know, because, yeah. hey, <laughs> isn't that what we're doing? I think if had they done a slower burn on the Herogen and gotten us more invested in a little more details before this, I might care more because right now we're just – we're watching someone try to reform Herogen society without really having any basis to care what it was before. Well, would you say that in that scene they could have given us more? Like maybe he could have waxed rhapsodic about the old days. Old yeah, day? yeah. That might have been a little much, but I mean, like, like, like by the time we get to episodes of, of like the Gem Hadar trying to get off the white addiction or things like, or you know, uh, Wayun, you know, uh, betraying the Dominion, like that. There's enough already there that I care about what the new status – like, I care enough about the old status quo, or at least I'm interested, such that reforming it is itself interesting, so. 
I think they really, I, I think they missed an opportunity here to give some backstory. Because that was relatively organic dialogue. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, preachy exposition. And um, so half the crew is under lock and key. The rest are fighting. This has been going on for 19 days. I wonder what the other, uh, Crusades, you know. I kind of wish we had seen some Crusades. That would be interesting. Um, there's, there's so many possibilities for the holodeck. And I'm happy they did the Nazis, but, you know, I would have enjoyed seeing Knights in Shining Armor. I did find this to be a little uh, kind of, I don't know if the word I'm looking at, a little convenient that he can tell her all this now, but once the neural inter- like, like he can futz with the neural interface or not. Like, there's no way to, like, leave her with enough information to successfully navigate the program while remembering who she is. That seemed a little neat. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, the conceit is to add a little bit of tension and maybe a little bit of comedy, you know, light comedy, not heavy comedy, yeah. to the situation, you know, making her a fish out of water. <coughs> I mean, they're using the opportunity within the plot well, you know, the notion that her interface was yeah. damaged to, uh, you know, give her this opportunity. And they've already established that she's not trusted by yeah. the crewmates. Yeah. So, you know, I agree there's a bit of convenience going on, but it works, generally. It works as a setup. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if they had costumes on hand for all these extras. It's... <laughs> so she stops... Being able to sing. I must discontinue this activity. She apparently remembers French. <laughs> well, are they speaking English? Who knows? My guess is they're speaking English. You know, they, they can just make the neural interface convince them that they're speaking French. <laughs> How often do you think they wash those clothes? Well, that dinner jacket's got to be... A white tuxedo and a white shirt and a white jacket. It's, uh... Hers is almost kind of eggshell. Yeah, it's like an ivory, yeah. Creamy ivory, yeah. All right, so suddenly, scene has shifted. I kind of dig Chakotay in this role. I think he's... He's invested. Yeah. Robert yeah. Beltran is invested yeah. emotionally. And I think that uh, Robert Duncan McNeil is invested, too. Um, they play good GIs. Yeah. He had a few snails, fell in love with a local girl, became an expert on the city. <laughs> it's nice that they gave him a lieutenant bar. <laughs> Chicote is a captain, though, which I guess makes sense, given that he was a captain. As a marquee member. 
Would this have been better had they just made the crew fight each other? I guess he couldn't have done the hunt thing. I'm just yeah. thinking out loud. Well, I mean, so if they were fighting each other, the Hirogen could observe and see their, their fighting yeah. ability. Um, but they seem very invested in the actual physical right. act yeah. of hunting themselves. The other thing it wouldn't fit with is the conceit that they try to inflict non-fatal injuries yeah. that avoid the neural interface. Yeah. I think it's fun that they're doing a you know, Tom and Bellana, yeah, you know, romance. It does raise questions of whether the Hirogen were planning for this or they were using existing relationships. I don't know how they could know those relationships. Yeah, speaking of flattering, the, uh, the, the, the I like that she has like a black jacket, yeah, and a belt situation, and her and Jerry Ryan in the turtleneck with the ponytail is just stunning. Yeah. That's a good look. Turtlenecks can do good things if you have a good jawline, I guess. Yeah. You know, I've played a lot of Civilization in my day, mm -hmm. and I always think of these people in terms of that game as partisans. Like they're, they're the rebels that rise up around a city when you take it over. <laughs> I wonder if they got any firearms training so that they look like they're handling things realistically. <laughs> We've got to stop painting like this. I, I really like this because they're showing us that the Hirogen are very intelligent yeah. and are able to sniff out BS. Okay. In a lot of Star Trek stories, the crew just kind of really puts one over on the villains. Yeah. To the point that the villains seem silly. And here, you know, there's real menace. Yeah. Um, we've also happily avoided, and like, I, I get what they were going for, but when they put the war paint on the helmet, it just looks like finger painting. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely... I, I like the Hirogen better with their helmets off. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, the. The Westmore head is a good Westmore head as they go. Uh, it's got a lot of detail. It's not all that dissimilar from the uh, the Saurian race. Yeah. Their armor is interesting. It has a bit of an organic look to it. It's like Kind of a mix between Borg and, I don't know, frog or dinosaur yeah. or something. Apparently, uh, the writers saw Harry in this episode and kind of got the idea for him in 
uh, is it Timeless? Hmm. A sort of Dark Harry. Yeah. Because this is Dark Harry. Hmm. I wonder where in Hollywood they keep all the Nazi paraphernalia. Like if there's an office in Paramount. Yeah. I suppose it's just in the costume department and the set dressing department. It's next to the arch prop in the uh, big warehouse in Indiana Jones. I guess, yeah. Which was also a Paramount joint, so it would have been a nice little call-out. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that would be too cute to have a reference to the arc. So she's got a blackjack. Will, it, At least she has a blackjack. Yeah. It's not just like, you know, karate chop to neck, unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think he should be bleeding. Yeah. I mean, he could be dead. People really underestimate how easily fatal head injuries are. You don't just punch someone and they're conveniently out for a few minutes. You can really fuck them up. This was fortuitous that the panel she needed was in, like, the computer knew how important the panel was, so it was hidden in the Nazi headquarters. They're doing a good job pacing this. Yeah. You know, the music is you know, giving you that tense vibe. It's not like the dun, dun, dun. It's just the, you know, sort yeah. of like tense tones. That is an awfully big sign there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, shut up, computer. So there's that guy. Must be a crew member. So I forget, I'm trying to remember. I watched this one a few months ago, but... Okay, so he just unlocks Janeway first. And I like how within this drama, you know, they're, they're coming to a head. Yeah. Know? It's... Uh, it's good mind transference drama yeah. to, to have someone, you know, become murderously angry based on something they're not actually thinking. Good thing uh, when when Janeway felt that jolt of pain, her hand didn't tense up. <laughs> yeah. This so, is not the best set in the world. Well, there's clearly some kind of effect going on with the sky. sky yeah. Um, that is planted hell, my friend. Yeah. Well. I think they were doing an effect there on the Herogen armor to indicate like bullets Ricochet, bouncing off or yeah. something. 
So I think what really works about the sort of drama, the mind mind transference drama here, that was a really neat effect with the bullets hitting the searchlight, popping yeah. out of the gun. Yeah. They got their walkie-talkie thing, yeah, so that's cool. Go to hell, says Harry. Yeah. He's been waiting to say that one. Well, he's okay. He's not, he's not <laughs> great. Oh, he's doing what he needs to do. It's uh, Yeah, it's not Olivier, but uh, it'll do the job. Bobby. <laughs> Bobby and Brigitte, could we have picked more generic American and French names, respectively? So, I have questions. <laughs> with artillery in the holodeck, with the safeties turned off. Does this mean it can damage only other holographically generated things? Well, they're like explosives. If it if it can damage a person, why shouldn't it damage the a wall? Right. Well, and I guess that's kind of what they're saying here, which seems like something the Herodian should have planned for. It's like if we're gonna have More. live fire artillery yeah. exercises, maybe we should make those so that they don't do this. And blow a hole across four decks. That's not a bad effect. I enjoy that. Oh, it that. looks good. Yeah. It, it's nice how the holodeck is trying to, like, I don't know, make up for it or something. Looks like a bunker. So if Chakotay is seeing it through the eyes... Look, I mean, I'll admit, like, the logic here with the neural interface is... is yeah. You just have to take a lot of it on faith, you know? But I'm entertained enough to kind of do it. Yeah. It's not, it's not stupid. No, I get, I get what you're saying. It's just, it's just like, hmm, I wonder, you know? It's not like, oh, come on. It's like, uh, well, there, there must be some explanation, but they're just not giving us. There's some nice sort of embedded camera work here. To be continued. So, you know, I think it's a relatively good cliffhanger. Um, you know, they've blown a giant hole in the holodeck, and will the Voyager crew come to their senses, you know, like realize yeah. the, the, the reality of the situation and join forces against the Herogen? Um, I mean, I will say, as cliffhangers go, there's really no particular danger for a specific person. Yeah. Many times they'll have someone who's just about to die or right. is just about to be tortured or whatever. Right. Right. And that's not what's going on here. Um so look, I was really entertained by this episode. It's got a lot of good food groups as far as entertaining Star Trek go. It's got Nazis. It's got uh change of pace, you know, putting character period situations. You know, which is always a you know, sort of classic yeah. Star Trek thing to do. Um, 
I mean, it's what Gene Roddenberry had in the original concept. In his original pitch to the network was, we can use existing backlots and sets because all these different planets will have cultures somewhat similar to Earth, right? And this is really no different. The holodeck idea is just an iteration of that idea. You know, we can utilize existing backlots and sets and put familiar characters in unfamiliar situations. So I think it works for there. I think it does expand the Herogen, but I will admit maybe not as satisfying. I still don't care. I care about the characters. I agree that I don't care about the Herogen as a species. Like, they're, they're the hope that they can grow and change and you know, recover their culture or something. I think it's an interesting idea. I'm just not interested in this iteration of the idea, right? Um, I mean, I sense a lot of reservation from you. I just, I don't know, like, um, maybe I'm looking, I'm, I'm thinking about the episodes together and I'm going to try to not do that. Um, taken on its own, there's a lot of fun here. The Casablanca stuff is great. The acting is very good. The, the, the sort of, it has momentum. Like the story picks up from the beginning and keeps going in an interesting way. There's daring do on the part of the doctor and seven and Harry. And yeah. Uh, so I appreciate all that. Um, I'm, I, I'm trying to not think about how I feel about the story in its entirety when judging this episode. And for, and I'll agree with you. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's different. It's well achieved. Um, and it has like some real, you know, drama, which I enjoy. Um, like I said, the acting is good. They, riff off of their relationships well, and the production values are exquisite. I'll certainly give them that. Um, excuse me. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're kind of, we're kind of mashing together, I'm mashing together my comments. Um, <coughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would go with a four for this, I think. Overall? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a four. Um, the writing leaves questions unresolved. And maybe not questions that we even expect resolutions to. But it's crisp. It's entertaining. There's a lot of fun. There's a neat setup. Uh, who's the standout actor, do you think? And is it probably probably Jane Wayne 7, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely Kate Mulgrew. I mean, she's given a lot to do here, and it works. Uh, Jerry Ryan can carry a tune. Um, yes, there's a fair amount of doctor stuff here, too. Uh, I'd like the guest stars, you know. I like both of the sort of main Herogen antagonists, and I like the uh, uh, J. Paul Bamer as the Nazi, uh, human Nazi. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think this is a four. I mean, if our thing is that a four is like the top core teal, I think this is there. It might not be the best of yeah, yeah. fours that we see, but... You know, I remember watching this as a, I guess I wasn't a kid at that point, as a young adult and being super entertained, like, yeah, I enjoy this. I like Voyager. Voyager's good. So <laughs> it, it's not it's not doing anything that makes me sort of reconsider. Yeah, that no, yeah, 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 I get that. All right, well, so that's an eight for the Killing Game Part 1. I think it's well-deserved. We'll see if they can... Maintain the momentum if they can keep it up, you know. Uh, all right, well, live long and prosper, everybody. All right, have a good night.